Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future is Bilingual podcast. I am very excited for today's interview with Lauren because, as I'll tell you, I am starting to teach two classes or one class and working on some curriculum development for a second class that are teaching languages through television series. So I am delighted that Lauren and I have decided to have this episode right now. It's perfect timing for me. So Lauren, please tell us who you are, what you do. Hello, uh, my name is Lauren Williams. Um, I am a passionate language learner. I've just always kind of been learning languages and um, I'm a speech pathologist by trade, I guess, or by career. Mm -hmm. And I've recently started a, a business called Polyglot Station. And what else? You have the TV club. Can you tell us about that? Mm -hmm. So the, the language TV club is is part of uh, Polyglot Station. So it's one of the services that we provide. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really great for people who are like intermediate to advanced level where, you know, they they finished a course or a class and now they really just need some practice using the language. And it's just a really fun way for people to 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 speak and, and meet some other learners and um, and get some feedback on their on their word choice. Mm -hmm. So what do you do exactly? Tell us, what is it? So, Where did the idea come from? Yeah, so I mean, it started because, so Polyglot Station as a whole started with a completely different purpose. <laughs> um, it was going to be just a website that had some language games on it and just kind of like showed people what sort of language resources are out there. Because mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much out there and people just don't know about it. Overwhelming. Yeah. And so that was like the initial goal of Polyglot Station. And then as I got deeper into the language community, I just realized how much people needed experiences to, to chat and practice. And um, I was watching some Chinese romantic dramas at the time. Nice. And um, I'm just such a sap for it. And I wanted to you know, talk about what happened in the show with somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd be like, oh, did you see that? Oh, nobody. Okay, just me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I thought it'd be really cool to like talk with other people who are watching the same show. And so that kind of started it. And, and I asked some people from um, the Women in Language Conference yep. um, if they would be interested in such a thing. And so I got a couple of people together. We tried it out and it was really fun. So I I just rolled with it and kept it going and and so now we do we do German Italian French and Spanish regularly and then we do have some other languages that we pop in here and there. Yeah, I know Polish was there at some point because mm -hmm. I knew the teacher. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So okay, we didn't do the basic introduction. What languages do you speak? So I speak English, of course. It's my it's my native language. Um, Spanish and French are are probably my second second languages. And then um, I, well, I know some sign language um, and ASL, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, Mandarin and Italian. And then uh, I just tried to start working on Vietnamese this past year. Wow. And so I can like understand a little bit at this point, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. really not, I'm not talking Vietnamese. Like you were saying, these courses that you're taking where you're watching mm -hmm. TV, you're discussing, you do have to have a certain level. You know, you can't have a beginner yeah. and watch a TV show because they're not going to understand anything past <laughs> the hellos and the how are yous. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Like 
I say people are always welcome if they want to come in and listen if if they're at beginner level, but just let us know if that's kind of where you're at so that we're not trying to force you to talk when you're really not ready for that. Um, But really, yeah, it's really a great, a great experience for intermediate to advanced learners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are they watching together or are they watching on their own and then they're just coming to discuss? How does that work? Yeah, watching on their own. Um, so we don't show the Netflix shows. We always choose shows from Netflix just because they're widely available around the world. And they have a lot of different series that are originals in, in different languages and countries. So um, that's where we choose our shows from. And and most people have Netflix or, uh, you know, have been wanting to sign up for Netflix or something. So Or can use their friends. Or, like, yeah, exactly. Or use somebody's login. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't tell you how to access the Netflix, but, um, but yeah, they, they just have to access Netflix on their own and then watch the shows before the meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's great because uh, a learner who's intermediate or maybe even closer to advanced can watch it with the original subtitles right like let's say they're watching a Spanish series they can watch it in Spanish with Spanish subtitles whereas someone who's maybe lower intermediate can watch it with English but they're still going to come together and talk so you've got this that huge gap of intermediate learners I always feel like you know it (laughs) you start as a beginner and you quickly kind of move out of that and then there's this you feel like you're in intermediate you're in that plateau forever (laughs) before you can consider yourself proficient or advanced or you know whatever goal you're hoping to get to like Mm -hmm. you're kind of attacking that that huge mass of us most of us where we get stuck in the middle where we need practice we need to hear so much right but we don't really know what to do we're like I'm studying this language but you know you you don't know what to do you're Mm -hmm. kind of bored of like flashcards or apps or you know you're afraid to talk to a native like so that's like a really safe, comfortable, we all enjoy watching TV, right? We all get sucked into these dramas or, you know, the thriller or whatever the, mm-hmm. the show is. And then to have all that input, right? It's enjoyable. And then you have the community, which is super important um, aspect where you're going to come together and talk about it. So I think such an awesome idea. When did you start? When was the first TV club or language TV club? The first one. So actually we did one. Uh, a Spanish one in um, I think September of 2020 and it was just like my friends that are not language learners like like they they kind of know Spanish or they took it at some point and like people came the first week and then it just dropped off from there and so the the month after that, we did French and there was people from the Women in Language Conference who are like, you know, they, they know. just learn languages for fun. So, yeah. um, so that went really well. And that was, so that was October of 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was good. It was pandemic. We were all stuck at home. So why not <laughs> watch a Netflix show? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, what team are you on? team subtitles team no subtitles team (laughs) subtitles in the native language because we were talking about you know different levels and how it's adaptable right but Mm -hmm. you you know you've learned a lot of languages how do you approach that how do you yourself watch when you're watching a show yeah so people ask me this question all the time and um I I am team it depends <laughs> and uh, I wrote a blog answer. post about it so like if anybody's listening and wants to get more details on it 
Um, I did write a blog post about how you can use subtitles at different levels. <laughs> and um, there's also the Chrome extension called Language Reactor. And that allows you to see two subtitles at the same time. So you oh, could really? do like your native subtitle and the show's original subtitles at the same time. That's very cool. Um, so there is that option if you want to watch on your on your computer instead of your TV. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think it depends. Like if you if you need English subtitles to really enjoy the show and know what's going on in the plot, then use them. Right. Um, it's great if you can watch it one time with the English subtitles and then watch it again with mm -hmm. the Target subtitles. Um, if you're more advanced, you can either watch with with the target subtitles on, or um, if you really want to practice your listening and not use the subtitles as a crutch, then no subtitles is better. And if you're like, wait, I didn't understand, then you can go back and see how well your your comprehension was. That is, yeah, that's a really good advice. And I think, um, you know, we all kind of, no matter what language, our native language, a language, you know, we're very proficient in, you still kind of get sucked into reading. Like I've noticed that myself, like, I speak this language, I would understand this without subtitles, but when they're subtitles, I kind of, I'm looking at them and reading them. Mm -hmm. Even when it's English, even when it's French, like these languages that I can speak without, you know, thinking. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of funny that that is a good idea to try it, try it without, because I think we, it is a crutch. It's a good uh, metaphor. We mm -hmm. get, you know, afraid to go without it. It's the training wheels that we're afraid to take off, but you will, it'll just happen. You know, it'll be a more fluent experience when like, can just eventually eventually right if that's yeah if that's like your for example um if I watch tv shows with my boyfriend who does not speak all the same languages right. as me um I put the English subtitles on and I I notice that when I'm watching I'm reading the subtitles I'm very yes. much a visual person and I'm like I don't even know what they said in this other language because like I know it wasn't the same thing as the as the English mm -hmm. translation but I'm like I didn't even hear it because I was just focused visually yeah and I've noticed that with myself too I'm like mm -hmm. okay I should just turn these off because I'm getting distracted and <laughs> yeah it's an interesting uh conundrum but yeah I think it depends is definitely a good answer and it's also you know when I'm teaching now I, I you know I'm telling my students like try it we are in Spanish try it in English try it without like you know it's mm -hmm. not a you have to choose once and for the next 12 weeks our classes are you know three months do only that method like you can yeah. change it up right like you said you know go back the 10 second little go back button if you didn't catch something is great um and even on Netflix, like if you pause and you can like change the subtitle as it's going and it'll, you know, Spanish, French, like whatever language you want, it'll like change automatically. Like it's not like you have to replay it. So even if mm -hmm. you're paused, you can go through a bunch of languages and see how they would say it. So I think that's a nice little feature there. This yeah, is all very true. new to me, though. Like I have not I'm not uh, I should confess I'm not a TV watcher. <laughs> I have not watched a series in over two years, probably like sat down and like watched a show consistently and now I'm mm -hmm. teaching to you know teaching one class that's in um, Spanish on Casa de Papel and then I'm um, doing some curriculum development for um, 10% which is the mm -hmm. French show you know Calma Agent and then Money Heist the Spanish one so I'm like thrown into this role of like all this TV watching and I'm like you know I'm forced to do it but it's actually very enjoyable so I'm getting back into mm -hmm. how nice it is to like follow a plot and like know the characters and what's going on 
Yeah. And we've done those two shares before, so we can definitely oh, yeah. chat about that. Oh, mm-hmm. I would love to. And also I wanted to um, tell the listeners that we will add your blog posts and all of your websites and everything into the show notes so that it'll be a super easy find. They can just click on all those things if you mention anything else. All right. So I want to know the best and the worst parts about learning with TV. What's the good? What's the bad? What's the ugly? I think, you know, there's a lot of great things. And that is one, you get to hear native speakers, you get a lot of input, right? And it's like, easy input, that's an enjoyable, you know, you're not like, dreading through it. Um, And then also, you get to hear a lot of just colloquial slang and, and just terms like, like, hey, there, what you doing? Like, you know things like that I've picked up so much with the the Spain Spanish I was like oh Mm -hmm. my god this word this word these are all super like specific to Spain you know colloquial yeah yeah watch a Mexican series and you'll you'll be like whoa like I don't even speak Spanish but like I feel like people feel that way like when you watch I had this experience also we do little clips during class even in our our non-tv classes and I was you know teaching with French and we watched this little you know, bande annonce, like a trailer for a movie. And my students were like, whoa, they're so fast. And also like, we don't understand. And I was like, well, they're, the movie's based on like, you know, high school, college kids. And they're speaking with very mm-hmm. like, yeah, slang colloquialisms. And I was like, that's normal that you don't understand. Like even me who lived in France 10 years ago, I don't know all these <laughs> words because yeah. like, the slang has evolved since then. So yeah, I think it can be a little intimidating sometimes because they're like, I've studied for so long and now I don't understand anything and it's it's not the academic language you used to study Mm -hmm. right yeah definitely not textbook um and I would say probably a thing that's not good would be if for example if you are only using videos like tv and movies to to learn but not actively using it so if you're just kind of passively watching it and thinking that you're going to learn a whole lot uh you it might not happen uh so you you probably want to work on actively using it whether that's like summarizing the episode to somebody or even writing it down or even just kind of like imagining in your head how you would go through a conversation with somebody about what happened Mm -hmm. um or even just picking out certain vocab words and making sentences with them so you have to kind of turn what you're learning into into active so that your brain retains it really Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and something that can happen with any input, like listening or TVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like same thing with podcasts, right? Like you can just listen and it can be an enjoy an enjoyable experience. But if you want to like remember what you're, you know, if there's new vocab, yeah, you do have to maybe take that extra step and write things down. And I've been doing that because I'm like, if my <laughs> students ask me what certain words mean, I'm like, this is an, if it's a new word for me, I'm jotting it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's, definitely at that intermediate level, like, hopefully not every word is new, right? So you can just pick out the few, you know, 10, 20, whatever it is, words that might be new to you and and then jot them down. And then like you said, you can always take it a step further, right? Write a sentence with it or tell someone about it and write a summary. It doesn't have to be these long, tedious things. It could be, you know, just talk to yourself for two minutes, Uh like what happened, right? Um, And I've always suggested as well, like, recording yourself even if you don't show it to anybody but like 
just put your camera, you know, most of us are now used to being on camera, set up your camera, press record and talk about what the episode was. And then you'll see progress over time for sure. Mm -hmm. Like if you start recording yourself, you know, with the one month, two month, whatever the intervals are, like you do see progress. So yeah, definitely. Okay. So Lauren, we've been talking a lot about TV because that's a topic that I want to know about, you know, personally for my professional uh, career, but we didn't really get into what, you know, you told us quickly which languages you learned, but when, why, you know, how did these languages come into your life? You said you enjoy learning languages. I think many people listening, myself included, are part of that category where this is just something we're passionate about. But tell us, you know, what was the first language? I'm assuming school, but yeah, tell us that whole journey and how you kept adding things in because you've got a, a number of languages under your belt. Yeah, so uh, my first language was French. Um, and I feel like I got interested in it because my my grandmother was French Canadian nice. and she passed away when I was young. So I feel like maybe that that helped me feel a little bit more connected to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I asked my mom to buy me a Berlitz CD-ROM so I can learn French as oh, a kid. <laughs> um, so that, that was my first, yeah, my first <laughs> self-language learning experience. Um, and then, you know, I studied that in high school and in college as well. So did a lot of years with French and, and studied abroad and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also started studying sign language in, in college as well and did more ASL with my career uh, mm-hmm. after I, I graduated everything. And um, can you just briefly explain? So ASL, if people don't know, is American Sign Language. Mm-hmm. Countries have their own, right? British is different. But how does that play into your role as a speech language pathologist? So we don't talk a lot about speech language pathologists, but they're mm-hmm. a huge part of the language you know, community. They help. Um, and for, you know, multilingual parents, they might be working with one or interested in working with one. So maybe just a little brief uh, discussion of that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speech pathologists are are kind of everywhere. They work with geriatric patients or they're in schools or hospitals. So I work with kids right now. I'm in a private outpatient clinic. And um, but I used to work at the School for the Deaf and the Blind. So that's where uh, sign language was really important. But a lot of speech therapists learn sign language to help young kids when mm-hmm. they're first learning to communicate. Because believe it or not, kids can learn how to sign before they learn how to speak. So, for example, you can have a 10 month old mm-hmm. that's telling you, I want milk, I want, you know, yeah, this no. or that. I did and, that with my um, kids, and I, one of my first, the things I published on my you know Instagram page that was new back then was my daughter signing please but she was saying mm-hmm. prosha which Polish word for please and like yeah we we did the baby sign right but that is a yeah. whole different baby sign is so so different from ASL so don't want to confuse <laughs> the two at all um, but yeah I think parents nowadays maybe are more uh, aware of that and a lot of parents mm-hmm. are getting into that baby sign of you know milk water um, mom dad you know or, dad mom um all those things um then I think yeah I think it's a little bit more well known but I think it is really important to say that because kids get frustrated Mm -hmm. when they're not understood and a kid who's gonna you know maybe has some speech delay or speech issue is gonna be super frustrated (laughs) and we know Mm -hmm. like terrible twos but like if a kid is you know 
getting around that age, which actually starts in like one and a half. I noticed it starts way earlier. Parents are like, what? Why is my kid like saying no? And like super crabby. Um, it's so helpful. They just want to get their message across and they're like, why are you not understanding me? So yeah. I think yeah. Communication getting- can be such a big reason for, yeah, for frustration Outburst. and for negative behaviors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. But yeah, so that's how, that's how the sign language came into play mm-hmm. with my, my career. Um, so I learned in college and then <clears throat> continued learning when I started working at the school for the deaf and the blind. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then after that, uh, or really kind of in the middle of that, I, I started learning Spanish. I just bought a book or like a, uh, like a kit that had a book and a CD-ROM in it yeah. from Borders before they closed. And I it was like store well. 50% off. So I was like, okay, yeah, I can afford that as a college student. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started with that. And then that was really my first lesson. If you don't use it, then you lose it. <laughs> right. So, um, so I lost a lot of the Spanish that I kind of learned on my own because I just wasn't mm-hmm. speaking with anybody. Right. Um, and then fast. Did you fast take any formal years. lessons? Sorry to interrupt. Did you take any formal lessons? Mm-mm. It was just all on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not in Spanish. Um, just did that. I had a, a few coworkers that I worked with that were Colombian. So I, I spoke with them. That's cool. Um, like I had one friend who would, we would just go to the bar, get a glass of wine and just speak in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would help me out a lot. So it's a good way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No pressure. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just do like a bunch of random apps and things, trying to just build my vocabulary and and do a lot of like audio books and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah, so then a few years later, I decided to try Mandarin wow. Chinese. I actually, I actually tried it a little bit in college and I'm like, no, this is hard. I can't do it right now. <laughs> yeah, and, you uh, need to be dedicated. Like, yeah, but... I got back to it a few years later and, and it surprisingly, I remembered some. That's amazing. So that was cool. Did you start just with audio? I mean, I'm just curious because I know for myself, I've never done uh, Mandarin, but like um, Japanese, for example, it has like the three alphabets. And I found it mm-hmm. so much easier when I was just focused on the listening. Like I had the Pimsleur CD and I would just listen and do the pronunciation. Um, I did this before t- we had a trip with my high school that I was chaperoning and they, you know, they were like, come with us. And I was like, okay, pre-kids. <laughs> so I was trying to do a little bit so I could just ask, can you speak English? Things like that. Say hello. Um, yeah. But then when I, you know, so I studied a little bit, I was able to get, go over there and say a few things. And everyone was like, wow, she says like five words, but because nobody else did made effort, you know, they just went over. Um, but then, you know, like a year, a couple of years later, because I had kids at this point, I was like, let me study Japanese again. It's such a beautiful language. And I was like going by the alphabet first. And then it was like, I don't know, it was like discouraging. Like, what do you suggest with languages like that? Do you think it's easier to just focus on listening for a while and then tackle the writing system because Chinese is such a complicated writing system, Japanese as well, but less so. Um, what do you suggest? Because my I, I do not have a good level in Japanese at all. I can barely say like three things. Um, so as someone who speaks one of those languages better, I'm just curious what your opinion is. Yeah, and I would say I'm kind of at this point in Mandarin where I've learned about as much as as I feel like I can uh 
auditorily or at least the verbal part of it. And now I really want to get into the reading and writing. Mm -hmm. So like, definitely I did more of just the pronunciation and the listening and kind of just like imitating phrases mm -hmm. first. Um, I'm a visual person. So I, I definitely had the pinion there to help me. Right. Um, and without that, I don't know that I could retain it because auditorily, like I'll hear a sound and then I'll just say it differently the next time. Yeah, I especially just, with tone. I need to like, see it. You need that, that written uh -huh. out reminder that the tone goes like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so that's but, how I did it. So I don't really know if I can suggest anything because mm -hmm. it's just so interesting. Just curious. But yeah. yeah, and then, um, but there's so many characters. I mean, just yeah. thousands upon thousands. So. And they're complicated. <laughs> they're not, yeah. there's not a finite number like an alphabet where you <laughs> yeah. yeah I just yeah. and I, I found myself though, discouraged like I found myself I was like oh my god like I can't remember these different hiragana and like you know I was like getting discouraged uh -huh. whereas I should have been focusing my time not on learning to write but like learning words that I could actually speak mm, and use like I feel communicating like, yeah I, I got frustrated and then I like gave up and I was like let me do Italian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. um but yeah I will say that um just seeing the characters while I was learning you know more basic communication and like the most important words for having a conversation I did start to recognize them so I could I could mm -hmm. read at maybe like a HSK one maybe two level mm -hmm. just from seeing the characters over and over and over again so okay. I will say that that even if if you know, you're not studying them specifically, you may still pick them up just because you just keep seeing them. Exposure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But I think I would suggest, you know, like, don't put that pressure on yourselves because I mean, languages are, we're speaking and listening more than we're reading and writing, right? And if you're going to go to a place, it's not likely they're going to ask you to write a letter. They're, it's more likely they're going to talk mm -hmm. to you. So, you know, it's and myself, we got phones now and like email and autocorrect. Yeah. Even and the way to, to text, there. right? Like mm -hmm. there's ways of in Chinese, right? In Japanese as well. I think you can. Yeah. Like, you like put in the opinion and then it'll the tell you, it'll yeah. give you a list of characters to choose from. So you just kind of have to recognize it rather than know all of the strokes. So, Which is crazy. I don't know. I'm, it's almost like there's all these little battles like well is that better or are kids becoming lazy right like the autocorrect versus <laughs> not autocorrect battle of like is this helping our kids or not um mm -hmm. the, the knowing cursive versus not knowing cursive I mean we could get into all sorts of battles of like is it better now or was it better way back when mm -hmm. um that's for another day but yeah I just think it's interesting all right so Mandarin which is so I'm just so impressed <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah and then I definitely tried to learn a couple of languages that I did not succeed at so oh, good I times. learned a lot but so it's always a good a good journey I think even if you're you're not successfully using that language you still learn a lot about the process which language and, did you um, dabble in yeah and then I learned Italian kind of through an experiment that I did because I knew I I knew French and Spanish so mm -hmm. I was like well let me see if I do one lesson of Italian on Duolingo every day and I just have these short lessons right yeah and then I write one like small little journal entry or like answer a question mm -hmm. will I learn Italian in a year <laughs> and uh it was like kind of successful I feel like I got to a good a good point but definitely at that point I was like yeah I need to 
to hear more input and and actually talk to somebody. So, so I did you you did that for one year, just doing yeah I did that for writing? one year every every day I did one Italian lesson, and then wrote something. In but Italian. you weren't tempted to I don't know listen to something, watch something, talk with someone. <laughs> Uh, well, towards the end, maybe like October, November mm -hmm. in the year, I was like, yeah, I got to actually listen time. to yeah. some conversation or, or something. So yeah, I did. I did wow. add that in. Wow. Wow. That's cool. We, we probably started Italian around the same time and I was doing the Duolingo events. You know, I have talked about this on the podcast mm -hmm. before, but they've now canceled them, which is mm -hmm. so sad. <laughs> so I would say go practice, but you can't. But you know what? Uh, Italki mm -hmm. just started doing group classes. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Well, that's good timing. I wonder if that was planned. <laughs> I think it's related. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be related. Well, that's really interesting. Is that a better rate? I mean, Italki is not that expensive. I have no anyway, idea. But yeah, I don't know. interesting. What were the languages that you, just curious, you tried, you dabbled in, but like never took off? The one was Arabic. Mm hmm. And I was able to say some things in Arabic, but my problem was I couldn't choose a dialect that I wanted to focus on. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't want to learn modern standard Arabic because a lot of people don't use that in everyday conversation. Mm -hmm. So then I was like hopping in between the different, the different ones. So I ended up just at a very, very basic level, mm -hmm. you know, and, and confused. So, so yeah. that didn't go so well. And the dialects are very different. So if you choose mm -hmm. one over the other, you know, it's some are more comprehensible than others. But yeah, I think um, it's definitely a hard one where it's not like you speak Spanish with a Castilian accent versus a Latin American accent. It's mm -hmm. it's a world of a difference. Yeah, it's like a completely different language. It can and then be. the other one was Swahili, cool. which uh, is a really cool language. I love the way the grammar works. <laughs> and uh, I did that one kind of as an experiment as well. Another Duolingo experiment. <laughs> where I wrote down every single new word that mm -hmm. I encountered in Duolingo. Cause I thought, Hey, I'm a visual person. I would yep. love if there was like a word bank in Duolingo. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started writing it down, but then the problem with that was one consistency. I couldn't stay consistent when I had all this other stuff going on. Well, and then two, I didn't have anything that was really connecting me to the language. Like there wasn't somebody that I wanted to talk to. There wasn't mm -hmm. a show that I wanted to watch, you know, like I, I could have gone out and found those resources, but there wasn't anything out there like calling my name right? that made me really motivated to continue. So, yeah. And that is a huge part, the motivation part, the, mm -hmm. yeah. Cause you can, it, we, we all have that excitement when we start like, wow you know they have navajo on duo you know i did like a few yeah. lessons but like i'm not going to continue because right the same reasons like i don't have the motivation i don't have the drive i don't have the connection to that community etc mm -hmm. etc so but i think um i definitely understand the way you say like it was interesting to compare the grammar like i loved you know the more languages you know the more you kind of see the patterns and the, the way things work so i think mm -hmm. a lot of people so listening cool. might understand like comparing you know, comparative grammar and things like that. Just language nerd stuff. <laughs> For sure. All right. Any, was, were those all your languages? Were we missing any? Yeah, I did uh, like study Portuguese for like a month one time because we did a Portuguese TV club and I'm like, hey, I'm going to participate. So I just like picked up a book cool. and tried to learn. And then I got all confused with my Italian. So I, I was like, well, let, let's leave that for another time. Oh, I hear you. You know, when I started Italian, which was like two years ago, I actually did a few 
um, lessons of Italian and a few lessons of Portuguese on duo. And that's how I chose. I was like, I'm mm. either going with Portuguese or Italian. So I did a couple <laughs> lessons of, of each. And then I was like, I think I'm going to go with Italian. Like, I just was like, you know, just based on my feelings or I feel like the pronunciation of Portuguese is hard. And there's also that whole, you know, Brazilian versus Portugal, mm -hmm. um, which dialect you're going to choose. And I just, I felt more of a drive towards Italian. Um, but yeah, Portuguese one day would be nice because I feel like I would go to these events for Duolingo that had, um, it was all the romance languages together. So people would speak whatever romance language. You could mm. go into a breakout and practice just French or just Spanish. But then a lot of us stayed in the main room and people spoke whatever they wanted. And <laughs> most of us knew at least two or three, you know, and we would. So I would like, you know, I knew French, Spanish, Italian. And then I was like listening to the Portuguese. I was like, I understand you. And then I could respond in whatever language I wanted. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of Spanish and Portuguese. So like me and this other girl from Canada, we would speak French because there wasn't as many people speaking French, but like people understood it. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there was a, like a guy from Romania and like nobody under we were, <laughs> nobody understands. Like we were like, slow down. We don't understand. Unfortunately, you know, it's not it's actually not that different. Like when you see it written out, mm -hmm. we're like, oh, OK, we see the relationship. But like when he would speak it, we're like, what? <laughs> but yeah, that was such a cool. That was a really cool group. Yeah, that sounds fun. I missed that because it it was like amazing to me. I was like, I've never studied more than that one lesson on Duolingo. But like I can understand what he's talking about because the conversation was already in French Spanish so like I already knew the context right it wasn't a, a whole class in Portuguese so there is a little caveat there <laughs> but, uh, it's just it's a fun time all right any um proud bilingual moment that you've had in your life there's probably many yeah I mean I've had a lot of great moments from knowing more than English mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the things that I just love to tell people about because, you know, I think, I think some people can come off like, you know, stigmatized, you know, like, oh, I know all these languages. I'm so cool. But for me, it's more like, hey, let me be a resource for you or um, let's connect you with this language. And, um, you know, there's just been some good times where you know, somebody needed help and I was able to offer help. And, um, you know, they were in a situation where somebody else was not understanding them. And I think sometimes when people don't speak the same language, you know, they they can have uh, assumptions about each other 100%. without knowing what their real intentions are or what their real message is behind what they're saying. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's just nice to be able to come in and and um you know show show some truth or unveil the curtain like a, you're the connector the yeah. liaison who's going to help because mm -hmm. there's a like we always say bridging that gap like you have these two speakers they don't see things eye to eye you know maybe culturally and you're able to like explain to the one like well they're doing this because this and then explain to the other like mm -hmm. oh they thought you were xyz right like you you have these two lenses and you're able to see things because I think culture is also a huge part of that, right? It's not just pure language. It's also in that culture, this is viewed as some, you know, something, right? Like we can all, all those faux pas that we could accidentally do, right? Like you do a hand gesture and in Italy and everyone's like, oh my God, don't do that hand gesture. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was, that had meaning, right? Like, <laughs> they have that whole sub language of hand gestures. Um, yeah, I just think there's so much embedded when you're, when you're, 
learning another you know language and culture and just that's a great thing. I love the the helping and the connecting people yeah I mean if you can just learn a a couple languages or no a couple words Mm -hmm. in a new language you can really just connect with another person so much better I think yeah I totally agree and it also puts someone at ease right like even my like few sentences in uh, Japanese I've started teaching English as a second language or English as a foreign language as I prefer to call it and I was able to like greet my student and say like you know the, the traditional like please treat me nicely like you know nice to meet you kind of thing and that's all I know you know like I don't know anything more but she was like oh you know she was like oh my gosh your accent and like blah 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 and you know like even though that was the extent of it and I'm now here to teach her English but like it just you know it like gives you these little warm feelings when someone like recognizes like I know this thing about your culture and like I you know I have a tiny bit of interest or you know it just shows nice mm-hmm. feelings I guess it has yeah that. and especially with English you know if English is your native language and you're talking to somebody else who doesn't speak English that well you know you're kind of showing them like it's okay like English is not the top dog like I don't yes. expect you to to know it like I could speak your language instead mm-hmm. although on that note you know it's it's kind of funny because we can get away with saying that one phrase, you know, like, mashte, and I'm like, oh, wow. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas if somebody, you know, a foreigner says like an amazing thing in English, we're all just like, yeah, of course, because everybody speaks, mm-hmm. you know, we're not impressed at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas like we can get away with murder. Like we could say like one sentence, totally butcher it. And everyone's like, yay, you said a sentence in Arabic. And like, you totally butchered it. They were like, you know, whereas they could have perfect accent, say like, 10 minutes of speech and people are like well of course of course you speak mm-hmm. like or like yeah, you, so you point out the one word that they said wrong you know so I feel like there is a little double-edged sword there where, you know we mm-hmm. we we aren't impressed when spe- people speak English and like we should be like it is not easy to speak English our writing system's mm-hmm. atrocious <laughs> like there's so many you know factors because if it's so hard to learn Japanese or Russian it's just as hard for them to learn English right? It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we don't give people enough credit. But when you when you are a language learner, you do. I feel like we get it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're just a monolingual, you don't give them credit. You're like, well, of course, you got to speak English if you're here. Or like, of course, everybody speaks English now. Um, but like, if you've gone through it, it's so humbling, right? Like, you're yeah. stumbling through a hello, and you're like, oh, my God, I, I'm never going to speak this language. I can't even say, how are you? <laughs> Um, it humbles you, right? So there's that whole experience, mm-hmm. which is so important. I feel like everyone should have it because it it brings you back down to earth, right? You don't think you're this amazing person <laughs> anymore when you can't even introduce yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you get used to like feeling like an idiot all the exactly. time. <laughs> but like, it's a good, that's a good thing, right? We should be humbled in that way because mm-hmm. the roles can be reversed very easily, right? Yeah, and we shouldn't expect everybody to speak English. I think that's unfortunate. You know, it's an unfortunate thing that English is a lingua franca. Unfortunate, unfortunate. I mean, it depends who you're saying it for, but um, I, I do think it gives us this inflated sense of self that like everybody should speak our language. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right, I do have one more question I forgot to ask, which is, how do you find people to host? Like you said that you know you were having somebody host Portuguese so you're not hosting like how do you find these people who are going to host your language club yeah and I will say I I started out being the host for all the clubs 
And sometimes it didn't go so well, especially like Italian. I was fumbling my way through it and I'd be like, okay, there's the question. What do you think? <laughs> um, but yeah, we found some great hosts and most of them um, were found because they were participating in the club. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them also went to the Women in Language Conference online. Um, so that's kind of a, a group that that we have found a lot of people through. Yeah. And um, recently, our French host is actually the brother of one of an old friend that I, I knew when I studied abroad. Wow. So, yeah, kind of an old connection coming oh. to light. So. So yeah, so different ways, but but definitely Women in Language has, has made a big impact for the Language TV Club. And um, and then just people participate for another language that they're learning. And then I'm like, hey, do you want to host your language? And and so they're like, yeah, sure. And are you open to people, you know, contacting you and saying, I would love to host Swedish, you know, or, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. So we'll leave yeah. all that into the show notes so people can easily find it and contact you yeah. if they do either want to participate or they want to host or both, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's good to kind of participate first and see what it's all about. Then you, you know what your role is as host. <laughs> so, okay. My last question that I ask everyone is, could you teach us a word or a phrase in one of your languages? So I know you have many, <laughs> so it might be hard to pick. Yeah. Um, there was definitely like a lot of fun ones that I learned from, from watching Chinese TV shows. Oh, um, but recently, since I've been doing Vietnamese, I actually just really love the way they they get somebody's attention mm -hmm. and and they change the pronoun based on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. So like if, if you're talking to a, a woman who is younger than you, you'll say am. And if you're you're talking to a woman who's older than you, you say chi. And um and then if it, it's like somebody that's like your aunt's age, and then it's somebody that's your grandmother's age, like so there's Honorific. different pronouns for yeah. for different ages. So so you actually have to ask people like how old are you so you know which pronoun to use mm -hmm. um but the way they they can get your attention is just go like am oi so you say like the pronoun and then oi after it oh that's fun and and it's just really Enjoy. fun and then like before you ask a question or something so mm -hmm. yeah that is like so that. yeah culturally specific right like that how do you translate that into english like you know, and even just the way languages, yeah, they'll say things like sister, brother, aunt, where we only mm -hmm. use that for family. Like, why are you calling that your aunt? She's not related to you. And also the the honorifics, right? And the I know Korean and, and Chinese, I'm assuming probably Mandarin and Cantonese have that honorific system. I don't know. Um, that's so interesting. Well, thank mm -hmm. you. That is really and that's all that's almost like evocative for anyone who in Polish they have evocative when you talk to someone, you have to change the case um maybe latin i've never studied it but they have you can't just say like mama you have to say mamo change the, the ending and uh, it's kind of when you're talking directly to somebody to them, like you're calling them like you're uh, saying, okay. mamo <laughs> um and it's it's losing out like they don't you could do it with everybody's first name but it's it's getting dropped um mm. people are just saying regular names um but they still do it with certain words like mama and and so you know you'll see it in books so we were reading a book i do a a class every week and we read children's books so you know we saw a bunch of examples there because it was um good night moon and the little the little 
um the word like the little bunny is saying good night to all the things mm-hmm. so he's like good night moon good night you know toy good night story and so it was all evocative so it was really interesting to to see but anyway i digress <laughs> we can talk about language all day the two of us um but thank you so so much let us uh know before we end where can we find you how can we get in contact with you because you've mentioned so many things that people might be interested in joining or contacting you about yeah um so i am on instagram pretty often I have uh, three different accounts, which is like my personal language learning, where I just kind of make funny reels sometimes. I don't post super often on that, and that's living on language. And then we have Polyglot Station, that is uh, just the main business mm-hmm. Instagram, and then Language TV Club. It's very just <laughs> uh, direct uh, the names, I yep. guess. Yep. Not not very creative, but um, yeah. So those on Instagram, and then also have languagetvclub.com and polyglotstation.com. Very, right. very easy to remember, I good, guess. Good, good. We'll put it, I'll um, put it in the show notes nonetheless so people can. Yeah, so you can contact it. me on any of those platforms and then the blog is on the, the TV Club website. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk with you about this topic and it's just, it is a, such a great way to learn. I think um, you've tapped into a really important resource, which is, you know, the live language shows on netflix and then you're also addressing that huge intermediate gap where we don't know what to do but we need to talk and we need to practice so i just mm-hmm. commend you for that because i think it's a really great endeavor you're, you're doing and uh i hope to maybe join some of those someday we'll see yeah we'd love to have you after this course session because i've got too much tv <laughs> watching already like going from zero to like two hours a week is a lot for me i can't like find the time <laughs> i was up till midnight i was like okay i gotta go to bed now i can't watch anymore <laughs> I shouldn't complain. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Take care.